Welcome. It's a lovely day outside. Yes, it's been a good day. It's been a lovely week. This is the Covenant Podcast. It's good to be with you all again. He's Frank. I'm Linus. You're Linus. I've been loving today. The weather's been fantastic. It gives you a chance to relax. relax. No hurry, no push to go on to the next thing no fight for something else you just get to be not too hot not too cold that is good i recognize that every day cannot be like this as much as oh yeah i might want it to be but as we talked about last week is when you have moments like this enjoy it enjoy that don't don't try to think about when it's going to end how it's going to end or try to make tomorrow be that good today is today you know, somebody said something interesting. You can never step into the same river twice. It's always moving. It's always flowing. And so I think life would be so much more easier, compatible for us if we just uh, tried not to fight it sometimes. I agree. It doesn't mean we, you know, give up on trying to improve our lot in life or trying to make situations a little bit better for other people. But I do think it's important that uh, we take the chance to just appreciate sometimes life as it is and um, just allow the, the journey to unfold. And, you know, in my life experiences, short as it may be or may have been, I've found that sometimes what has really been the most impressive experiences are the ones that didn't start out or seem like I thought it would. And the things that I thought were going to be a, a challenging and difficult experience were some of the best teachers and teaching moments that I had. Some of the things that I thought would be horrendous experiences turned out to be some of the most fantastic ones that revealed so much to me about myself, about my purpose, about how I'm supposed to be, and even put me in positions to, to be a, a blessing to others. And we, we need to sometimes learn not to fight life, but just live life. Not to fight life, but to live life. That's good. Each day is precious. Um, some seem more precious than others, but it's really important for me when I have a day to, that I really enjoy. I had a went went the other day to a, have a Bible study in South Austin, and uh, Lloyd and I rode there. It's about a thirty mile trip, forty mile trip. So, um, <coughs> but at first it it was kind of one of those kind of things that didn't look like anybody was going to show up, and then you wind up having more people than you thought, and. Uh, very simple text, but all of a sudden, people that were there brought out very deep observations. It just, mm. I mean, 
Uh, plus, it was just nice and cool ride. That was a great day. Kept off with, you know, just Just the conversation they had gave us so much to think about mm. because we a lot of times, you know, we don't expect, I didn't expect, first I didn't expect, uh, you, know, you know, there wasn't a lot of traffic, so we got to really ride. And it was just a unexpected, what would you say, unexpected pleasure. <laughs> Speaking of unexpected pleasures and, and, and larger turnouts than expected, we had quite a show out at Trails today. Um, I think this was the largest that we've had since lockdown began. And what I loved about it, because I had stepped out to um, to grab breakfast between um, after rehearsals, and to come back in and to see, first off, the number of cars in the parking lot, and then to come into the building and just to see how much was activity was buzzing. There was something warm and pleasing yeah. about that, um, and I think when I w- when we think back to the early days, I think it was you and me in your office, uh, not too many feet away from us here. You know, we were even asking, are we even allowed to gather, not being part of the same household? But to see how over time we've we've stayed resilient and, and, and people have continued to allow themselves not to be crippled by fear um, and are embracing the freedom that as believers especially we know that we have in Christ Jesus and to see people especially especially the elderly people I mean uh, TJ and 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 um, brother Joel have been such a blessing to me just to see them risk. Everything. Everything, yeah. just to be there. That's how important it is to them. Yeah. You know, I, I was talking with my mother, um, you know, because similar situation where uh, a lot of people started not showing up to church uh, in Nigeria. And we remarked once, it was like, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting how many people, I guess, you could ask are, are not showing up to church but might show up to other things or other places. You know, the Bible says where your treasure is, there's where, you know, that's where your heart is. And I think in a number of ways, the, the places to which you show up or the places to which you risk a lot to show up tells tells a lot about, <coughs> you know, the value that you have. But uh, for Joel and TJ, and, and there have been also a few others also who uh, over this time have, have done that. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to, you know, say that those who haven't showed up, I, I certainly encourage everyone to take uh, the necessary precautions that they feel to keep themselves and their households safe. But... They they just inspired me so much and blessed me each time I saw them show up and and to see how important fellowship is to them um, that they are willing like I said to put themselves in those kinds of situations I think uh, you know I I know I've been blessed for the last twelve months uh, getting a chance to see them front and center every time that they had a chance to be there and you know too even when this all started we kind of pushed the envelope a little bit and. I think you know my first tendency is you know when people tell me you have to do this and you have to do that my first tendency has always been why you know let's let's get a grip here and tell me what's going on and so you know just uh, being willing to 
push the envelope a little bit and find out what your freedom really is. And the risk is because uh, there were so many uh, people, you know, I had to go to meetings and stuff that not actual meetings, but that's when they started the virtual Zoom meeting thing to where, you know, you got to do this and you got to do that. or And so it, it was just, uh, there was so much to find out how much you really care about what you do. That's, that's, um, but so, and then there's still a, a, a good group of people that are watching on, on, uh, remotely that there was a lot of people there this morning. Yeah. Well, what, what I really do sincerely hope is that this is an indication that I know. I know we, we we use the word going back to normal, but the truth is, you know, there, there's no going back to normal. You know, we've we've crossed the Rubicon, and things can never be the way they used to be, no matter how much we want them to be. You know, it's it's interesting. We've we've had conversations also where we've talked about the way things used to be, and even. For me, I, I can recall the way things used to be, you know, even recently in some conversations with, with friends where, you know, we were talking about some of our experiences with attempts at diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. And uh, I, I made a remark once, and then th there were simpler times when you didn't know that much about people uh, because people were somewhat guarded. But now that people are encouraged to be quote-unquote the authentic selves and live their truths you know i'm going like well this is a little too much and, <laughs> and, and i joked you know it's like <coughs> I, I loved it when i didn't know people's political affiliations yeah. or people's preferred pronouns or things like that um, because it was simpler uh, and and no matter how much we can desire or long for the way things used to be you can never go back and and you know this ties back to what we started off with of Life is meant to be lived. You can never bring things back to the way they were. It's it's nice to have the nostalgia. It's nice to have the reflection and to think back and to appreciate and to learn from the past. But you can never bring the past back. And any attempts to, to do so is futile and should be immediately abandoned and discarded. Instead, the question is, how can you better understand the present? Because this is where we are. It's a gift. Um, and rather than worry about the future, instead try to make the future by living out today. You see, you don't make the future by changing the future. You make the future by being the best version of you today, and that begins to shape things in the direction that the future comes. I think that on the part of this, I'm going to look a little different than that because I, I, I really think that in times before, People considered the effect it would have on their children and grandchildren before turning something loose. But the, the thing today has got to be everything's about the present and everything's about me. And I think that uh, uh, I'm a little more, let's consider... Where, what what's going to come of this? And uh, 
I, I, it's kind of like the Bible says, count the cost. Because there's a cost to doing what you want to do today. Uh, sometimes that cost is turns out to be putting money in the bank, and other times it turns out to cost you more in the long run than it was initially worth. So, uh, but all of the things, I, I think one of the things that concerns me about us today is I think we're trying to make everything right at the same time. <laughs> mm. And I think we need to, you know, pick something and work on that and then uh, whatever is uh, – but but I agree with you. I think, I think people are – you know what I think's happened? I think we've moved beyond the fear of the pandemic to where – uh, people feel more willing to engage just because they've they've become less afraid, and hopefully, the other areas are the same way. People have become less afraid to be who they are. Uh, people have become less afraid to. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know about you, but I spend a lot of time by myself, and uh, a couple of days by myself made me wonder why anybody else would want to spend time. <laughs> Spend time with me, you know. So, but I think we, I think we at a place in our, just like you said, it's not that we've moved beyond normal. For <coughs> a lot of people, and things are changing so quickly now, almost daily. So our our children and grandchildren may not get to find out what normal could be for a good while just because things are changing so fast. And but, but, but maybe it just becomes their normal. That's true. It could be. Because, you know, we... And be able... Yeah, yeah we, we are at least a generation apart, if not maybe a generation and a half apart. Mm-hmm. And what was normal for me growing up generation in the half, 90s yeah. was different for you growing up. Uh, and so... You know, even if I just look culturally, you growing up in the West in the U.S., me growing up in Nigeria, you know, what was normal for me there is different for you in terms of normal. And so I think what, you know, normal and, and, and even the word average are two words that sometimes people use interchangeably, but also people use without a full comprehension or appreciation of what they mean. Normal doesn't mean good. That's correct. Normal doesn't mean things are great. That's normal right. just means it is what has become, you know, consistently experienced. You know, in the same way, average is just a, you know, a look at the entire total and, you know, and, and where things fall in the middle. Those things can always move. You know, it was normal for you, for example, growing up that you prayed in school. Oh, yeah. You know, you started every day with yeah. the anthem, pledge of <laughs> pledge allegiance, of yes. and, and and the prayer, and that's not normal today. No. Now, is that good or bad? Debatable. You know, people can certainly, uh, uh, especially those who've had the experience of both, can can certainly talk about that. But if you talk about someone who's grown up without that, if you tried to tell them, you know, let's start the day with the pledge of allegiance, they would look at you and say, "That's abnormal. Why would we do that?" Why would we? But they don't know any different. And 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 the ways of learning it when I grew up were very restricted. I mean, you you uh, you really weren't encouraged to think for yourself, or 
you weren't encouraged to, uh, I, I mean, today they reach out and have a whole lot of different options for people. Uh, just say dyslexia, you know, people had no idea that was even a thing, yeah. you know, when I was growing up, you know, and uh, other other things that, that happened. So school was very, um, let's just say, a very school was very normal. You knew you were going to school, and it basically went down the same way every day, uh, and, uh, and, and, but, uh, you know, there wasn't really a, a, I mean, school today is so different that when I hear, you know, college students today like Jade and Brooke talking about this college, going to college and doing the things that they're doing, I'm thinking, you know, man, that's, so, you know, these kids are really having to, well, yourself too, you, you're, you, you, you really had to become uh, self-sustaining, mm-hmm. whereas before, you know, all this stuff is kind of your, you're kind of protected in a protected environment until you reach, once you get out of college, then they kick you out, you know. Right. So, but that's, uh, but um, things were not, I mean, I was thinking back today what some of these kids get to do, you know, and our, our, uh, my, my one grandmother was a natural teacher. She, that wasn't her, that wasn't her calling in life or her, uh, what she did, but, but that's what she did to all of us grandchildren. Is we, we didn't ever go there without learning something. I mean, I know how to do stuff that, you know, no child should have to learn how to do as far as I'm concerned, you know, I, and, you know, but, but, uh, and then my other grandmother wanted children outside. <laughs> you know, if it's if you can see, you're outside. You know, that's it. And then when you come inside, you're quiet. You know, you don't you don't have any of that. So there wasn't all of that. So there's a wide range of things that. Uh, and today, you know, we 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 had television. Of course, we didn't have one in our house, but. Uh, had television, and uh, you're talking about a time when um, that that uh, ladies would get together after the guys went to work. This was before that became unpopular for some reason, but they would gather together because four four out of five women didn't have a television in their home, so they would go whenever guiding light came on. <laughs> <laughs> they were all gathered around the TV, wondering who was if they're going to make it through that issue or not. And, and uh, I mean, it was a really uh, kind of a social building deal where kids. We didn't have TV. Uh, you know, we didn't have things that today. I mean, do you know I can talk to my watch, Linus, and you can hear me. I mean, that is. When you think about where those many years ago, and then to see, so there's a lot happened that makes. I think in some in some cases it makes the world a better place to be. In other cases, 
yeah, I'm not so sure yet. But I think that's what makes us all important to the world is we're not the same. And I think that one of the things that happened when I was a child was they were trying to make everybody the same. Hmm. And now they're not, you know, you know, they've kind of come off of that. They're not, they're not trying to make everybody be the same because if you weren't the same, then uh, there was something wrong. And it wasn't with the system, and it wasn't <laughs> with the teacher. It was you. So it discouraged uh, discouraged a lot of things. But, but, but it's interesting because when, when, when I look at some of the things that are happening, and I get to experience it a little bit from a corporate setting, um, I, I get to experience it also from an academic setting, but even my academic setting is different. Working on a PhD is a little bit different than sort of being in high school or college where, you know, the actions or the impressions upon, um, you know, are a little bit more profound. Um, but in, in a number of ways, I, I, I think there's still efforts on some parts to try to make people, well, I guess same isn't the word that's used. Uh, you, you probably hear it more around equal or equitable. Um, and um, interestingly, I was on a you know on a, on a message with, with with some friends just earlier before coming out here, and you know one of the friends asked that question. So what's the difference? You know, equality versus equity. And my response was, I haven't received yet a consistent explanation of the two. Um, and even at that, when I when I see and I hear of the definitions, and when I see and observe the implementation, there are some market differences with which I do have some profound questions. Um, and and it's, it's, it's a difficult thing to, to, to get to because, you know, it's one of those delicate subjects for which I am willing to engage anybody in discussing in a way of help me understand what exactly is it you're doing but also, as you've heard me many a time say, let's not just judge the intention, but also let's judge the action because far too many times we miss what happens in the middle. What happens in the middle is people, right? And people respond in different ways to different things. And I oftentimes don't even blame people for the way they respond to things. I blame the person who creates the mechanism and was either naive or did not have sufficient foresight to consider how human psychology would play into you know, a situation, which is you want just about enough assistance to help people, but you don't want it to get to the point where people are dependent. Exactly. Right? So the, the idea is you want to empower people to, you know, it's almost like fuel into a rocket. You want to give people fuel so that they take that and are able to take off and be self-sufficient. What you don't want is to, you know, feed someone so much that they've got to loosen their belt and, you know, take a nap at that same spot. You know, if, if I could use sort of that Thanksgiving analogy, it's you want to help people so that people can be empowered to take their own destinies into their own hands. But you don't want to keep them, you know, so self-sufficient on the system or the mechanism that um, they, they, they're not able to get there. And so not to derail from, 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 from I think, you know some of the things that we're talking about. It's that's that's it, one of those normals that, in my mind, 
I would say it's not normal, but that is more and more normal. I think the two words you use, help and and uh, empower, aren't the same word. So I, I, I'm a proponent of, uh, number one, don't make things too easy on people. Uh, that's not our job. That's not your job as a parent. That's not your job as a boss. That's not your job as... It, it, it's not to be make people in them. But when you talk about equality, I, I, like, I, like, I like the words equal opportunity, equal access, equality. But I think who says them makes a lot of difference. Do you, do you understand what I mean? I don't think they mean the same thing to, to different people. And... and uh, uh, one of the things that I've been waiting for in in all of this, not the pandemic, but the the, the political and, and and especially the social and racial uh, things that are happening, is I, I I've been waiting for some champion, some uh, you know somebody that has well-learned and well-spoken and that will stand up and say, here, here, we, you know, this is where we're going, you know, <laughs> instead of all the time wondering about what, what are they trying to say, you know, is what does he mean, you know, and yesterday you said this and now you're telling me something else, what, make up your mind. But, uh, and I, I guess, you know, I've been waiting for that for a couple of years. I've waited for somebody to say, hey, look, you guys get a grip, you know, and let's go down this road a little ways before. And I, I don't know whether that's just not the right way to think about it, but or that person or persons uh, have yet to reach that place where they feel like, you know, I, I need to stand up here, you know. And you know, I, I – I think it is possible, but I think it is harder for that to happen now yes. for some of the aforementioned reasons that you brought up, which is there was a sense of consistency was more embraced. Yes. Previously, um, you know, I think, for example, the last big civil rights movement of the 60s, um, it was happening in a time where consistency was something that was celebrated perhaps more so than it is now and what i mean by that is if you look at the way people went to work you know school things like that there was a consistency to it at that time you had a lot of people for example who stayed in the same job all their entire career right versus now diversity is in and i don't mean that in necessarily the diversity and equity standpoint but diversity is more celebrated in terms of try different things yes be different things. Uh, and so I, I think it becomes harder for someone to, to really come in and connect the dots on everything. Um, not to say it's impossible, but I just think a little bit harder because, you know, even back then from a religious standpoint, there were fewer denominations and people were very careful not to quote unquote break out and do their own thing. And even when they did break out, there was always a sense of uh, affinity, you know, 
you had a lot of denominations, for example, that came out from the Azusa Street revival or the charismatic movement, but there was always a sense of, you know, we are linked. Yeah, you didn't you burn know, bridges. Exactly. Versus now it's, yeah. I don't like what is happening here and I'm going off and I'm going to go start my own thing and I have nothing to do with you anymore. Yep. Right. Uh, and so to now find that unifying voice or that unifying person or personality or character becomes harder to do because for a long time we have either encouraged through active effort or just by virtue of sitting back and letting people do their own thing that it becomes harder to, to try to unify people around, you know, things. You see the same thing happening in politics is that you very much had very vanilla political parties and affiliations. Yes, that's you know, true. Versus now you see even within each of the two quote-unquote established parties, you still see a lot more diversity than there's ever been before. And there are people who are saying, you know what, I'm just going to go off and do my own thing or I do not subscribe to that previously mainstream or normal perspective. And so it just, it just I think, complicates the potential for, for some of those things to, to happen. And, and there's so much going on, too, in, on different fronts that needs to be taken care of or handled or uh, at least engaged. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that is, uh, concerns me now is some of this stuff is just being left hanging out there. Mm. They're, they're just waiting on, for me, they're waiting on some kind of disaster to happen before, so they have a response instead of somebody saying, hey, look, we can fix this, you know. And I, I, I don't like that, I, I don't like that feeling because, um, and you are right about people are willing to burn bridges now where before they didn't do that. Uh, and I, 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 another thing that distresses me as is that in this day and age, religious leaders really don't carry that level of respect. Mm. Before, religious leaders, especially, I mean, some of the better-known religious leaders of the day, carried a tremendous amount of respect. Even if you did not believe, uh, you, you respected that man or that woman for, for who they were. They, they had that kind of, and people don't have that. There's nobody in this that, that I'm aware of that has that, you know, national level of respect that they did before. You, you raise something that, 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 that you're very right, that the, the, there are a number of things just like that that don't have the same gravity associated with it. You're right, because there were, there were times when you heard someone s just say, I'm going to talk to my pastor. Yep. And whether or not you were a person of faith or of that particular faith, there was a respect to it. Yes. You know, calling your pastor was almost like calling your lawyer. Yeah. Right. Or calling, you know, you know, someone with some oomph behind it. Someone walked in, a man of the collar. There was yes, a natural right. respect that was extended to them. You held them in such high regard as you would, you know, a governor or a, you know, uh, you know, a, a legislator or something like that. But, but now I think it's become so easy for anyone to become a pastor. And even if it wasn't that, the people who, as you said, who are pastors have not treated that office with the sufficient reverence that it deserves that 
people are looking down on it and going, you know, it, and it's sad because in times like this, you were talking about how do we find someone, a leader that can unite, bring people, together. bring people together. One of the things that we were able to have in times past was similar consistencies that allowed such things to happen. Yeah. And now with everyone empowered, if not outrightly encouraged to do their own thing and explore their own thing, it becomes a little bit harder. Yeah. In the same way, I think it also filters down into <laughs> the institution of the church, which is Very there were times so. where the church was that place of refuge within the community. If people were hungry, if people needed help, counseling, you know, they went to the church. Yes. You didn't even have to be a person of faith, but you could, for example, show up to the church and say, hey, here's the issue that's going on with my family. I need some help. I need some advice. And you would get it. And now that's people awesome. abhor the church. People run away from the church. People run away uh, with, with much velocity opposite from people who claim to be church or churched because of the failings that we've had or the, the, the disregard with which we have taken on you know, the, the, the mantle that God has given to us to be this lighthouses. We've enriched and engorged ourselves. And, you know, people have looked and said, you're not any different from those corrupt politicians. That's, I'm afraid that's true. Years ago, even, I, I've noticed even in, in my ministry, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm not trying to brag, but I'm very well respected in the community of people that, know me but uh, before like I, I guess maybe 35 years ago phone call to the church it's the police they the owner of a motel had a man there who said something about he was going to hurt himself so he called the police so the police go there is there a church in the area Yes, we'll call that church. So I'm in the pastor's office, and they said, can you send a pastor over to talk to this man? Um, my pastor said, it's for you. <laughs> so so I go to this um, motel. There's eight police cars, about four police dogs, um, and so I step out of the car. I had a friend with me. I step out of the car. I've got my Bible, and I step out of the car, and this police officer walks up to me, and he said, Sir, are you the minister? And I said, Yes, sir. And he said, What do you want us to do? <laughs> and I said, The first thing I'd like for you to do is you need to put the dogs back in the car. <laughs> and he, yeah. said, he said, Okay. And he did something, and all, they put all the dogs back in the car. And I said, you know, probably we don't need as many of you here. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? <laughs> if you've got somebody that's already emotionally distressed, and you got seven or eight police guards in the driveway, <laughs> that's not going to give them a lot of confidence, you know. So anyway, the reason I told you that was because there was a level of respect given me by a police officer that had never met me before. And uh, I think that, and I, and, and I just say that to add to this, that 
I think it's sad that some of the the places that were go-to places before, I'll be honest with you, even police are not respected anymore like they should. You, you, you know, the the deal. People don't tell their children anymore. If you see a police officer, if you need help, talk to this guy. You know, with the badge. You know, but there still is. Um, there's still a need for there to be that something that we can uh, come to from all sides. You know, uh, used to in uh, ancient battles, there was uh, a guy that carried a banner. And whenever things got tough, um, that person was told to hold that banner high. And when they told that banner, and when they hold that banner high, that meant wherever you are, whatever side of this zone, you come to the banner, you know, and, and uh, like a lighthouse, stay away from the rocks, you know. Yeah. We need, we need, but on the same person, I, I know you're an advocate for helping people. You, 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 you explore different avenues for helping people, and and that's great. And uh, if everybody would do that, it would it would be it would be even more. But we still need to have. I just be I just say this, and without I think that in our country today we're lacking in good. respectable leadership across the board. And I, I, I'm not going to leave the church out of that, uh, Linus. I'm going to have to leave the church we're, in that. We're, that we're front and center. We're, we're, we're number one because we're supposed to be better. Maybe not better is the word, but we know better because we have received an eternal gift. And if anyone is supposed to understand more so than anyone else, it should be we it should be. who have been touched by grace. And, and so he begins to beg the question then, how in an age and in a time where there is a great deal of diversity, perhaps even inconsistency, that is normal, how, how then do we move forward or move ahead? And for me, one of the things that I have found is that there are certain truths that are not only self-evident, but certain truths that are universal, timeless. And it doesn't matter what era, what country, what culture. They hold the same weight. And when I look at how do we begin to change the trajectory of how things are, it's not another program. It's not another initiative. It's not government policy. It's not another movement. It's not a hashtag. I have found at least for my lifetime that the word of God has always been consistent. 
when I've had and engaged in conversations, take the workplace. This last year, uh, a lot of our conversation has been around diversity, equity, and inclusion, specifically in light of George Floyd's death and so many historical and contemporary acts of brutality, racism, discrimination, and the like. And oftentimes, as was in this particular case, there was a push for, all right, what can we do as a firm to, to address this? You know, the new thing now is anti-racism. Now, I know these people, I know people intend well. But one of the things I've always injected into these conversations is, I think there's a simpler way. How about we just love people? And, and, and it's funny because love is not a word that you associate or use often in the workplace. But I think in our zeal to neutralize touchy-feely stuff in the workplace, we've alienated ourselves. We've given people license to treat each other not like human beings, but <coughs> like headcount, like resources. I mean... Even sometimes the way we reference each other. Let me think about that. We call each other talent, human resources. What does that mean? Like there's a dehumanizing element to it. I know it's not what people intend when they came up with these words, but you know, some of it was that escape of, well, you can't say they're your people, right? Okay, I understand where you're getting at because of some of the connotations that can come from it. So you've picked a quote-unquote a neutral word, a, a, a non-harmful word as talent. But think about it. Now I'm separating what you do from who you are. Yep. And so I can tell myself, look, I'm just paying you for your time or for your skill. And as long as your skill is sufficient to the task or as long as your skill is needed, I will gainfully employ you. But the moment at which, you know what, the cost-benefit ratio does not work in my favor, I can discard you. I'm not discarding the person. I'm just discarding the need for the resource. It's part of the things that we don't understand sometimes when, when we try to change things, right, as a way of deliberately trying to be neutral, of deliberately, deliberately trying to be non-controversial, is that there are unintended consequences, and I think this is one of them. Yes, absolutely. And so for me, when I go back to the Word of God, I find something interesting that's captured in Galatians. And Galatians talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the very first thing that catches my attention, it's a singular word, fruit. It is. Unlike conventional wisdom and the way people oftentimes refer to it, it's not the fruits. That's correct. It's not plural. It's a single fruit. It is a singular evidence that you are a child of God and that the Spirit and the power of God lives in you and the bible is clear about it it lists them <coughs> love joy peace long-suffering goodness faith meekness and temperance one fruit one harvest one evidence of the spirit and the power of god living in you and if we who claim to be christians are who we say we are if we who claim to be Christians, the power of God is operating in us as we claim it is, then this should be evident in our lives. This should be evident 
in the way that we operate. You know, <clears throat> I want to go back to you. You talk about human resources, and the and the purpose of human resources was to separate the human from the job, <laughs> so that just like you said, to be a neutral in this. So, uh, a lot of people in that uh, played to one side or the other, but human resources is literally not intended to help any people. It's intended to help the company. So until you, if you understand that, you can operate in it. It's kind of like insurance, you know. Understand insurance don't care whether you live or die. They are there to make a profit. And as long as you understand that and don't get all upset about it, you can, it'll work fine for you. But if you want to really, if you want to really help people, uh, actually, I had a boss who was very good at. Uh, he was a very, very intelligent person, and so he knew how to make that relationship work to be able to help people. To intent, you know, so he he gave me a lot of guidance. But when we when we bring this into talking about us and this is what our relationship with Jesus Christ brings the fruit of the spirit this blooms in you when you have a relationship with uh, it, it, it has a bloom it flowers and then the fruit comes after that flower and so some fruit matures very quickly some fruit takes several days to some takes a month or more to, to maybe maybe even longer than that but when uh, but the first three that are mentioned love joy and peace uh, you, so they begin to form a chain which is makes them inseparable from each other plus they're inseparable from the rest you were talking about the fruit of the spirit so they hook together and not only do they supplement one another they can also stand alone and uh, I think I don't know about you but you, you, you use the word love quite a bit that has become I, I have noticed over the last couple of years that that word love has been being used more again and that's a good thing but when you go down through uh, the scriptures and if you want to find uh, who we're supposed to be I think this little passage in Galatians tells us how we should be recognized. And so, love, joy, peace. So, a lot of people think love to be a feeling. And I want to just, I, I just want to add to that. While it is a feeling, I, I'm sure there are feelings attached to it, but love is also an active work. And it's an action, and it's also a commitment. So one of the things that we see in, in 
in this, if you're going to have love or use the word love, uh, I think you would also say, then there has to be a commitment. You have to have a commitment and be willing to stand by that commitment even if others around you won't. You have to be willing to do that. So uh, I love this little passage of Scripture. It's amazing to me how sometimes just little paragraphs in Scripture can be so, uh, I guess, Important is a good word that I'd use to us as Christian believers. What what strikes me the most about love and its precedence in this list is that there has to be an element of love in in all of this. Love has to be perhaps one of the most powerful elements or forces in all of humankind. Love stands to me in opposition to power. Power. Mm, that's interesting. Power that's is. That's interesting. Power, power is I, I have an advantage over you, and I can leverage that advantage. I'm the boss. You are the worker. I am the government. You're the citizen. I am someone in authority. You're one who is subject to my authority and in exercising power the other person is without choice the other person is without the freedom they oftentimes are responding to you with full knowledge that there is some capability that you have at your disposal that could maybe not crush them but can make things very uncomfortable for them my boss could lay me off, could fire me, could dock my pay. The government, if I don't pay my taxes or obey the laws, could put me in jail. Or in certain crimes, if I do commit or disobey, could, could have me um, you know, killed. But love stands in opposition to that because love says, even though I very well may have power, I set aside voluntarily said power. And I put you at the same level as I am, whether or not you're deserving to be at that level. And if you're unable to be at my level, I come down to your level, to where you are and how you are. And I extend and I give of myself without any expectation of reciprocity. Very good. And, 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 and I do it not because I want to feel good. I do it because there is a value that I see in you. And I'm choosing to honor that value. And in, 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 in people oftentimes miss it. It's, it's, it's when, when, you, when you love someone, it's easy to love your family members because they're your flesh and blood. They are a reflection of you and you are a reflection of they. But loving a stranger, and, 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 and for all of these, it's interesting because to really understand these, you need to put them in the extreme conditions. Yes. Because when you put them in in quote-unquote <laughs> normalized conditions, you begin to blur the lines. And goes back to the point that you made of sometimes people think that love is a feeling. Well, love is only a feeling if you put it in quote-unquote normal situations. Right. Love is an action when you put it in the extreme. When Jesus says that you love your enemies and that you pray for those who despitefully use you, 
you really don't know love till you're forced or into you face someone who doesn't like you. That's why the, 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 the parable of the Good Samaritan is such a profound story. Is you're, This is someone who doesn't like you. The Samaritan is encountering his oppressor. The person, he has a chance to finally get even for not just the bad things that's happened to him, but the bad things that's happened to his peoples for almost all of history. He would be in most worldly senses justified in maybe not doing harm to to that man, but if he walked away, no one would fault him. Yeah, right. He was well within the rights of walking away. But that's when love steps in and says, I don't owe this man anything. As a matter of fact, I should probably add to his suffering. Yes. But love sees the worth. And I don't see you as a Jew or a Samaritan. Here we go. I don't see you as an American or a whatever nationality you might want to put in place of that. I see you even more so than a human being. I see you as a reflection of the glory and the image of God. And while we might not sometimes, let's be honest, we oftentimes don't put sufficient value on human life because if we did, there probably wouldn't have been as many wars in the history of mankind. But if you see the worth of God and you see that the worth of God dwells in each and every single one of us, you respect and you honor that. And that's love. That's that's uh that's very good. Um the next word they use is joy. I've heard a lot of people try to differentiate the word joy from happiness. And actually I've actually looked it up in several different ways and tried to follow that line of thinking. What's the difference between love and joy? I mean, joy and happiness. Well, to be honest with you, not a lot. Except, here again, I like your deal, say let's take this to the extreme. This joy is yours because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. So this, this joy doesn't come from either achieving uh, uh, some type of success on your own or getting your stimulus check or this joy comes from your relationship with Jesus Christ. And I don't think a lot of people, uh, when they read words, they apply them to the life as they know them. So this is actually... Uh, Life in your relationship to Jesus Christ, even this word love, love, joy. And it's because of the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. No, when you have that relationship with Jesus Christ, then the love that you can extend, that extends beyond yourself, is lives in you because Christ lives in you. Joy lives in you because Christ lives in you. And... <clears throat> Sometimes uh, uh, if we choose to express ourselves as Christians, I don't know about you, but I've heard a lot 
I've heard a lot of grumbling over the uh, the last several years about the way things are. But you know, if we really want to see uh, Christ revealed in us and through us, we've got to love. And we, we've got to have joy. So when we see, uh, I don't know, uh, sometimes I just have a smile on my face. It's not because I have any special knowledge or because I got something special. It's just because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, to me, that's very, very special because most people don't know who I was before I knew Jesus Christ, but he does. <laughs> so it's really, it's really important for us to realize as we go through life to let that love and joy that... Uh, come from our relationship with Jesus Christ and reach out like I like that extreme on the other side of normal beyond what beyond what people deserve mm-hmm. and do uh, you know what it doesn't really take that much sometimes to to put joy in people's lives it just takes that effort that action to go along with uh, to go on Sometimes you bless someone. Uh, and to be honest with you, it really doesn't take much to make someone have joy in their heart if you step past your own need. Yeah. I, knew, I knew a very well-known minister that was in the hospital. And he told the guy there, he said, I'm going to pray for people in the hospital. And... and all the time, the devil was telling him, he said, you're in the hospital yourself. How can you pray for people? But he had a care. He cared about people. And just having him pray for people that just had him pray for them, it made them happy to just notice that they had a need. Sometimes it doesn't take that much to let the joy of the Lord shine through. When, when I take the consideration of joy... And I, again, put it in that extreme context. Joy is oftentimes misconstrued with happiness. Now, the thing I say about happiness is happiness is contextual, highly situational. If you gave me a thousand bucks right now. Make you happy. Probably make me happy. (laughs) If my boss called me up and said, hey, you don't have to show up to the office tomorrow, but you'll still get paid. That'll make me happy. Make me happy. But conversely, if someone stole $1,000 from me, not so happy. If my boss called me up and said, hey, something's just come through. Can you get on a call right now? Not going to make me happy. Not so happy. See, joy is not that. Joy is not contextual. Joy is go. not situational. Situational. Joy is more pervasive than that. What I tell people is, if you want to know you have joy, let someone steal a thousand bucks from you. And if your demeanor, and don't get me wrong, you'll be sad and, oh my God, someone did steal. But that does not, that feeling or that concentration on the loss of a thousand dollars does not permeate my attitude for the rest of the day. Doesn't override everything. Instead, 
what 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 joy does, and you hit the hail on the nail is is joy is rooted to my relationship and my standing with Christ. That's right, connected. That it is an appreciation of the temporality of this life, and the temporality of any situation therein. That what makes me satisfied, what fulfills me, is not the micro moments. What fulfills me is the fact that I know that even if, this is the exact definition, in, in, in Job comes to mind. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego comes to mind. O king, we have every faith that our God will deliver us from this fairy furnace. But even if he doesn't, we still won't bow down. <laughs> So, so, so that is joy. Joy is if you <coughs> gave me a thousand dollars, good. If you took a thousand dollars from me, good. Because how I judge my life, how I judge my level of contentment, is not based on the things that I have or don't have. It's on the fact that Christ has me. I am no longer looking to be the possessor. I am the possession, and I am the prized possession of good. the King of Kings and the Lord. And he says that I am the apple of his eye. That's what he says. And he says that he holds me in the palm of his hand. And so for me, it's, okay, a thousand bucks. <laughs> Big whoop. You know, you, 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 and you, you, you told me uh, right towards after the service today, you know, about the man who made the comment about looking at how much he had given in tithes and offerings and wondered how rich or how much money he would have if he had not done that and instead retained it. And God messages him and says, "Yeah, you'll be broke, <laughs> right?" <laughs> yeah, that's. But 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 that's that that begins to really cause you to think in those terms, of. It doesn't matter if I have or don't have. I am not measuring my life by those standards. I'm measuring my life on the standard, and the standard is Christ. And because I am rightly situated with him and because I have his love in my life, because I belong to him, I know all things will work together for good. I know that that's true. he will make it work fine. I have been in situations just like that man in that story. I was just in it at the end of January. I get my pay statement for my contributions to the church and I look at it. I go, oh my God. Look how much. Yeah. I have given more than a fourth of my income yeah. in tithes and offerings. And I look at other areas in my life where I know that money, and not even all of it, just a fraction of it would have come in very much handy. I look at some of the things that I feel that I've deserved. I've yes, worked yes, hard, yes. I've delayed gratification. I, I deserve this. And it's nothing frivolous. It's, you know, some things I want to do in the backyard, for example. You know, that, that I can say that if I spent my money on this, there's nobody who would look down on me right. that I've done a foolish thing. If anything, it's a good thing that enhances, you know, you know the value of the things that I do have. Right, it's, right. It's, a re it's a reflection of good stewardship. And I could have done that. But you know what? It wouldn't have given me joy. It would have made me happy. But you see, that happiness is fleeting. 
But what gives me joy is I know that money is just a resource. God is my source. And as long as <coughs> I recognize and operate from that perspective, he has everything. He just chooses to let me keep 90% of it instead of thinking it's mine and I get to give him 10%. That's right. It's completely that's, the that's wrong a, way to look at that's it. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so every time, much like today, I had to write another check for my tithes and offerings. Every time when I was like, I know I need this money in another area of my life. Yeah. Funny enough, right before writing that check, between the rehearsals and the service, it was my mom's birthday today. Happy birthday, mom. Oh, wow. I call her, a video chat with her. And she, my mom and I have this, have this thing that I know when my mom has done something. <laughs> And she knows when I've done something. And she goes, oh, yeah, by the way, I, I, I didn't tell you. I, uh, I made a, a little bit of a pledge at the church. I was like, okay, <laughs> this is going to be good. <laughs> and she tells me, you know, a situation that unfolded um, where there was some upgrades that needed to be made to the church. And um, she had chosen to, to, to do that. And... What I love about how this woman has taught me to, to, to find joy was why'd you stop at that amount? Long story short, we ended up doubling that money. <laughs> <laughs> now, again, a perfect situation of I could have used that money. Yeah. I mean, we're going through uh, you know, certain situations where that money would have easily have come in handy. And again, if we spent it, we had every right yes. to spend it however we saw fit. But you know what? That, that doesn't bring us joy. Yeah. The joy, though, that it does bring for us is to know that we did something for God. Yes. That we were able to be instruments in his hand, vessels to bring about a blessing to somebody else. Yeah. And there's nothing that can take that away from us. There's nothing that you see. You can, you can. If I use that money to buy a car, you could take the car. If I use that money to buy a house, it could burn down. Well, it's not even that really. It's it's an opportunity to to do what God wants you to do and what gives you joy. You know, over the years, I, I've learned a couple of things, and one of the things you you've heard me say numerous times. Even when this pandemic started, I said, don't worry about this pandemic. God's got this. Don't worry about it. It's not, yep. you know, this is not the end of the world, you know. And uh, uh, and, and I know I'm going to get out on a limb here, but I don't think it's the end of the world now. I think uh, even though all these signs are around us, I think God's going to bring uh, a time of refreshing to the church and a time of, of but, but I believe God's got this. And God, get, that gives me joy knowing that I don't have to worry about this. God's got this under control. I don't, I don't, I don't worry about this stuff. I let God handle it because um, if I could have figured it out, I'd have took care of it a long time ago. But uh, so that's one of the things that uh, is important 
to understand. God's got this. When you're when you're connected to Christ, and the fruit of the Spirit is manifest in you, then God's got this, and and it, and it connects love, joy. The next word is peace. It's uh, and uh, I think that almost everything we read in the Bible, our first inclination is apply this to me. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> God, I'm the one that you know. I, I you know, I, I know you blessed all these other people. And you did all this other stuff. That's me. This me. <laughs> this is me, Lord. I, I, I call it. It's the, the the prayer of Jabez syndrome. They've had their turn. Bless me, indeed. Enlarge my coast. Me. You know, it's it's it, it's almost like we wouldn't believe God on. It's it's. I wouldn't believe you until you do it for me. You Something know, good. It, it's a very human. Yes. Characteristic, by the way. It is. It is. Right. Which is. You know, yeah, God's got a healing, but if He ain't healing me, <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I, I'm gonna have some question marks about that. But but that that peace is uh, in, in one place. It says peace, not like the world gives. Mm. And and when you think about this, none of these are like the world gives. These are special dispensations of. Love, special dispensation, or let's, I like your word extreme, extreme disposition of love, extreme dispensation of joy, extreme dispensation of peace. So peace can be, you can be at peace in yourself, you can be at peace with someone else, you can be at peace with several people. So however you want to apply that, so what is that, what does peace Mean? Does that mean there's an absence of fighting or absence of turmoil? Uh, does it mean uh, it's uh, you don't have to do anything or you just have a sense of everything's okay? Or what does it look at? But so if I'm going to follow this, if I'm going to follow this little this little line from love, joy, peace, I, I'm going to have to say. If we keep on going down, I'm going to have to say this is going to require some kind of action on my part. Whether it's an act of faith, whether it's an, and and then we can rest in the knowledge. And I think peace has that little connotation along with it. There's some rest in there Mm. where your mind's not always going 100 miles an hour trying to figure out how you can handle things. So there's some rest in there. So, uh, and then if you go a little bit further in that piece, not only is there some rest, but that joy and love kind of uh, pushes in and fills up a couple of those places there. And then you have that place to where you have a sense, not only of well-being, but you have a sense that you belong. And I think, that's important to people is to know and 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 okay so i made this definition up myself if you look it up in webster's it's not going to be there okay but that sense of well-being is good but that sense that you belong enhances that rest that well-being all of those pieces that are i think in this word peace because we're talking about extreme and I think that that's one of the things that people need today 
is to know the and I think it's not just a, I, I think not just, I, I mean, uh, we had our discussion on uh, uh, Church Unplugged. So I think one of the problems I have with racial things is it's always been a sense that there is, one is better than the other. And I think that this this is not true. I think we all belong. Do you, do you understand what I'm talking about? I think we all belong, and we need to be okay with that without trying to s- say, well, I belong more than you. And so I think that the peace gives us a sense of, of rest. I think that's a part of it. I think the rest is a part of it. Uh, not necessarily... You don't have to do anything, but you can uh, let down the guard and be you. And, uh, and a sense of well-being, everything's okay, and, and a sense of, uh, I, I belong here. I, 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 this is not a mistake. I'm not here. Uh, I, I wasn't just walking down the road. This is God. God is the one that brought me into this. And I belong. So I think that that is important for us to to understand that we belong. I couldn't help but have conjured up in my mind an image of being tethered. And what peace does, I think peace is a revelator of to what or to whom you're tethered. Good idea. And it's peace when you're tethered to Christ. Because even though there might be conflict all around you, even though you might be embroiled in a difficult or a challenging situation, you know you're connected to something stronger something more formidable than what you're experiencing. That's good. It's the equivalent of having your anchor tied. That's right. That's good. To the rocks, knowing that no matter how high this wave might come, no matter how hard this wind might blow, yeah, it might take me up or down, but it's not taking me anywhere because I'm connected to the rock of ages. Peace is freedom. Good. Peace is I am free to be who God has called me to be in spite of the external circumstances and environment in which I might find myself. No restrictions. I am not constrained That's right. by policy. I am not constrained by abundance or the lack thereof. I am not constrained by if I have an army behind me. I am not constrained by financial resources. I am not constrained by any of these things because I know I am connected to something better. It's peace. Peace is currency. For those of us who still have 
if it's such a thing anymore. Paper money. One of the impressive things about the U.S. paper money is written on it are certain words that carry all the weight in the world. Backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government. That means something. It means that whether I am within the geographic boundaries of the U.S. or I'm in the U.K. or in Nigeria, people know what that means. It's the same way your passport works. Yes. When I pull up that passport, people know it's not just me. I'm tied to something bigger. I might not look like much. Yeah. You might not respect me. <laughs> you might not like me, but you know who's behind me. Yeah. This is this is this is what makes being an agent so powerful. And so impressive. If I'm an agent of my company, you don't know me, but you know my company. And because I give you that business card that has their logo and I have their title, I am sealed and approved by them. And so you treat me like you would treat them. And peace just means I have to remember in those difficult circumstances to pat myself pull out my passport, open to the identification page, and see and read that passage that says, I've been purchased with the blood. I'm a member of the household of God. Oh, yeah, he's got me. That's this good. too shall pass. This is not permanent. This is temporary. And even if it's going to last a little bit longer than I would like for it to, even if this is the very end, because he loves me, Something better is waiting for me. Paul said, and I love how Paul writes, if our treasure is in this life, then we above all men are the most miserable. Yeah. Because what's the point of the discipline? What's the point of the restraint? What's the point of the careful living if it all means nothing? But because we know that there's something bigger, greater, more profitable that awaits us in the life to come we do what does he say for to live is what to live is gain yeah. no no for to live is Christ but to die Christ. is gain <coughs> that's good that's good one of the things I think in, and I'm speaking now to to the church to those of us who call ourselves Christians We need to. We need to do. We need to stop doing a disservice to the world. By just paying lip service. To this Bible. We need to. Decide. Are we going to do this thing? Or are we not? Because we have far too many fakes, far too many replicas, and very few authentic. If we're going to do this thing, then let's do it right. And let's stop deluding others, but most importantly, let's stop deluding ourselves as to what we think. By their fruit, you shall know them. That's what he says. And so if I am not demonstrating love, joy, peace, or any of these other things, 
then I'm sorry. You can speak in tongues all you want. You can give all that you own to the church. It means nothing. And and we need to stop giving people a pass because we're giving ourselves a pass. There you go. It used to be come as you are, but as I've said this before, it's stay as you came. Why? Because we have been resistant to the power of God operating in our lives that we realize it, it's all right for them too. Because people are saying, well, what about you? I mean, then we just say, okay, you know what, we'll, we'll, we'll dumb it down. And one of the scariest things that's happening in the church, in the body of Christ, is how collectively we have begun to accept things that are not biblical as doctrine. We've begun to accept things that are not based on the word of God, just merely out of convenience. We've stopped striving for what the word of God sets out as standards. And we've, we've said, you know what, let's just reduce the bar because you know what, I'm tired. And besides that, we want to make it easier on other people. And, and, and that's what I was talking about before. We need to stop that because if chances are if we're trying to make it easier on other people, we're trying to make it easier on us too. And um, we need to, to continue to challenge ourselves and others, um, you know, kind of like I said this morning, things, things, things that are taught nowadays are just not. They came from. I really don't know, and it's surprising that it's become so widespread. But, you know. Uh, one of the things that I've always enjoyed about being a Christian is, man, it's exciting. Mm. I, you, it, it may not be the kind of exciting sometimes it's comfortable exciting, um, but it's exciting to see what God's going to do. And I'm excited to see what God is going to do. excited about it. I'm, I'm grateful for how his word does. You know, we talked about being open to be being surprisable. And I didn't think this would have as much of an impact on me as it's having right now. Absolutely. But I'm grateful for that. Um, because it's causing me to go back to the drawing board and go back and have that honest conversation with God. Am I showing love? And open our Bibles, huh? Am I showing joy? Am I showing peace? <laughs> we both have the same idea. We, we came in with our reference Bibles and we have it opened exactly to the page. I think that's, that's prophetic. <laughs> but that's what we need to do. Not the electronic version either. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hard paperback yeah that's right it's been a pleasure sir thank you for uh, helping me challenge me yeah. and helping me be inspired again as to 
what this is all about. And Always to be enjoy. reminded and take that perspective deliberately of not just how I want it to be, but how God intended it. Always enjoy talking to you. Kept keep dragging me out in the deep water. So, <laughs> well, as long as we anchored and we can find our way back to shore, I think that that's important. But maybe sometimes God does want us to explore out a little Amen. bit. Amen. That's right. Well, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so very much. God bless. For those of you listening, the Covenant Podcast. <laughs> We'll be back next week. But in the meantime, look at the fruit. Fruit, love, joy, peace. Next week, we'll come back with the remainder. Stay blessed.